0: Kona Fano, Welcome back to another edition of the Department of Conversation. So good to be back with you again. Uh, we have a fantastic episode for you today, not to downplay any of the previous episodes, but today's episode is an absolute cracker. Uh, he is an actor, he's a prolific actor. He's been on our stage and on our screens for, well, approaching 30 years, as you'll hear in the podcast I first uh, knew of Joel Tobeck, probably in 1991. Uh, when he was acting as a young fella on stage uh, at Theatre Sports So we'll get into that conversation when you get to hear the podcast But now Joel has been around uh, for long enough that he is a, a staple part of so many incredible New Zealand productions uh, on stage and on screen and international uh, productions as well with the likes of you know, Lord of the Rings and Sons of Anarchy and all sorts of other bits and bobs as well it was a really enjoyable conversation I hope you get out of it as well uh, as much as I did from having a chat with the man himself here's Joel In the live stream, and we're live Joel Tobin, hello sir
1: Hi, how are you? How's everyone out
0: there? Well, I think we're, I think I think we're doing strangely, as the honest answer to your question.
1: Yeah. It's uh, a weird time, isn't
0: it? It is a very weird time right now. Thank you for um, joining us today. As I said, we sort of we sort of just chat. We don't really have an agenda yeah. in this thing. Right. We just sort of talk about life and not to steal anything from uh, any particular famous movie about life, the universe, and everything. It's kind of what we talk about. Yeah. yeah. And, um, Easy. That's kind of what we're talking about today. I did think, though, we should probably start, actually, with the one thing that's dominating the news and everybody's conversation at the moment, and that is, obviously, uh, Tiger King on Netflix. <laughs> Have you seen it <laughs> yet?
1: I haven't checked it out. I'm oh, trying to convince dude. my wife and older daughter to watch it, but you are actually dubious.
0: You're actually kind of lucky I'm here, because I'm on episode seven. I've got one to go. And I was like, Jolto okay. back or the yeah. final of it, so I'll, I'll watch it after this, but
1: uh yeah I, I want to check it out because he, he looks fascinating but we're we've just started ozark season three so oh nice thing at the moment
0: yeah i watched the first season of ozarks i i wonder if a lot of um netflix <laughs> i gonna well, this is straight into your area of expertise on some levels i wonder if a lot of netflix puts a heap of resource into series one Um, and then, and I'm not saying that, so therefore the series after that are crap, but it's like, I often find like a perfect example of Stranger Things, you know, it's a, it's a series about a a tragic story about a girl who committed suicide and then they did a second series and I'm like, how, well, hang on, isn't, that feels like one series was a good place to stop. And I watched Ozarks, the first series, loved it, started watching the second series and I'm kind of going, "Mm, yes, it doesn't quite have that same feel to it. I don't
1: know. I know what you mean. I've done a couple of Netflix shows, and they've generally been the second season of the piece. Right. So, and you hear people say, "Oh, last season we had a bit more money, and last season it right. was a bit more like this." So, I guess there's an element of that. But the, I guess they're trying to win the audience in, and then try and. I mean, look, six months between series is a long time, especially yep. this day and age. Yeah. And we we all get over it. I mean, we we started as like three, but I'm saying to my wife. What happened last time? I can't even remember. Yeah. He's amazing. Mine's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to be reminded of, of what's happening.
0: I wonder if that's where um the British, even though it's utterly frustrating at times, but have done so well with this, you know, sitcoms that last two series, you know, be it Faulty Towers or be it, you yeah. know, The Office yeah. or be whatever, they do, this is our story. We're gonna tell yeah. it and then we're gonna leave. Um yeah. and and, and when like I was a fan of The Walking Dead, which obviously is just a normal um, free-to-air show, um, I watched about seven series. And then kind of went, uh, I feel like I'm done. The stories are the yeah. same. It's 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 going on a bit for yeah. me, and so it makes me think about things like you know I think I heard um, John Cleese once say that, you know, in all of literature there are 14 stories. So That's they so told good. 14 stories and then they were done. Now whether that was 12 or 14 or 16, whatever it was, but um, that was yeah. It. And
1: remember, I mean, Fawlty Towers, I mean, he was so exhausted by the end of it. And I think he had a breakdown after the second series. Yeah. Um, uh, Because he well, not only was he trying to play that character, and I've I've done dinner theatre as Basil Fawlty many years ago, <laughs> so I kind of know. But he was also going through a divorce from Connie Booth, who played.
0: Polly, the eh? Polly. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I think he just was like, I'm finished. You know, uh a good example of something that maybe went on a bit too long was Blackadder. I thought. Oh, you reckon? After Black Blackadder Four, I think that was probably it. Yeah, me. I didn't watch them after that. I found it got a bit too overwriting and a bit too clever in the dialogue, like Ben Elton. I think he was on board for all of it, but it was a bit like, yeah, he's, he was doing sort of the dialogue gymnastics, which took away from the original uh, enjoyment of the show.
0: But even 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 that, I mean, how how many series was there total? Was there five total? maybe? Yeah. I mean, so look at, you know, look at the American series, you know, there's 10 or 12 seasons as a successful. So even even that, if that was getting a bit labored, it's still nothing like what, and I'm not criti- I'm critical of, of the other way, but it just seems that maybe, or the other thing is maybe, and I'm not sure if Blackadder was this, but I think Faulty Towers was, when you've got BBC money, maybe yeah. there's a, they don't need necessarily the same commercial return. So they have the freedom to be a bit more, you know, this is our yeah. art and this is what we're going to do.
1: And also on a cultural level, because I've spent a lot of time in the States, the television is like the pub is to the English. Right. TV is the thing. And in fact, when I used to do stuff in America, and I'd be watching it in America with American friends of mine, Yep. it was an event. Joel's on TV! Right. It was a huge event. Whereas, So they fall in love with their characters. Like Cheers went for nine, ten years. Yep. They fall in love with the soap opera style of... You know, what, so the, all the, the those cheers is very much based on the relationships over that period.
0: And I guess you know? I guess to almost counterpoint my own argument there, bit, when you get a good one in America and I'm thinking, let's say Cheers, let's say Seinfeld, Taxi. let's say MASH, let's say Taxi, which hasn't fallen away in quality and hasn't fallen away in ratings. Yeah. When they do that final, final episode, a third of the country stops and watches it.
1: That's right. Yeah, and they've got three hundred well, three
0: hundred million people, yeah. A few a few less since Trump's taken over, but yeah, in general. <laughs> okay. Not not to be too harsh. Um, yeah. but look, I have to say, one of the things I love about I mean, you and I have never met, we don't know each other, but um, I remember you from uh, 1990, 1991 at the Maidment Theatre with Theatre Sports Auckland. Yeah. I was in the I yep. was in the audience for a lot of those as a really? student. Yeah, yeah, and I remember it was you and Oliver Driver and Great Dean yeah. and Dean Gorman
1: dino gorman Gorman.
0: and you were the three young fellas eh?
1: yeah and i remember that thanks well yeah i mean you know i was certainly uh not as good as those guys were um, especially oliver who's, who's an improv genius and um so i was very much the junior amongst those guys but it was a great it's a great way of um learning to trust yourself as an actor and when i i teach young actors and i my biggest thing with them is trust, trust yourself, trust yep. your offers and your, what you bring to it because in theatre sports, if you make an offer and someone blocks it, it's a big no-no, it's the first rule of theatre sports. First rule is s- say
0: yes on the stage, say yes say to yes. the offer, yep, absolutely.
1: So it taught me a lot about saying yes and receiving and giving and just trusting myself as a performer, really. Yep. Great, great
0: education. And so I feel like you've been around, fuck, that's what, thirty years. For thirty years of my life almost. Which is terrifying yeah, was, to say out loud. I started um, when I was five. <laughs> <laughs> which is why I love I love watching television and or or film and you pop up. Like like the perfect example is I was fully addicted to Sons of Anarchy. You right. know, and I saw you pop up and I'm like, oh, my goodness. And you, because I guess it's the Kiwi thing, you know, I know him. You know, you don't know yeah, him. Right. But I know him. And he's in this yeah. big thing. So it's, it's it's cool watching your career and watching what you've done. And I just put a little tweet out about it. And you look at your actual list of credits. It's like, it's pretty amazing, you know, from Lord of the Rings. I, I love the Underbelly series as well. I the, There was several of those series. I got hooked in with the yeah. one that was based in King's Cross. I think it was the first one. Um yeah. and and love those series. Um and, and yeah, even some New Zealand iconic classics like you know Eagle versus Shark. And you've yeah, you've been well, around. You've been in our in our in our living rooms and on our screens for a long time. And it's it, it uh, feels like you're yeah. one of the one of the far
1: Well, thanks. Yeah, that's nice to be to say. I mean, you know, I, I, I all I can say to that is I, I've always known what I want to do, and I've never been afraid to try and do it. And I've always also as I get older, I become very much more appreciative of where I'm at in life. Yeah. And when the work keeps coming, I, I'm, I'm grateful every day, all day. Um, and, and I think as, and you can attest to this, having been 20 years in broadcasting, as you get older, mm-hmm. you reach a point where you go, well, maybe I do know what I'm doing now. Mm. And so I, I feel like for me, I'm in a new phase as an actor. I have been in the last couple of years where I, um i'm i'm now at the point now where i've been doing it long enough i know what i'm doing it's not to say i'm not i don't get nervous i don't have self-doubt i don't do things wrong i don't muck up and i'm i could be a little more prepared than some days than others and sometimes i don't quite hit the performance and i can tell straight away when i watch it back yeah but i feel like i know what i'm doing yeah uh after 30 something years you know and i started my education as a kid was going to the mercury theater every i worked there as an usher so i saw seven eight shows a week just to be around actors and to see shows like that uh all through my adolescent years it was amazing it was such a great education and then i got to hang out with them after the show
0: yeah wow cool
1: performers and that's just osmosis that's just you know
0: yeah so well, i think the I, mean, I mean not that i hold anything against him personally but I think one of the saddest things in the world was when the mercury became a church yeah. you know it was one of the things but look i'm just going to pause for a sec. i i'm not actually literally pausing because we're live streaming but you can hear yeah. my you can hear my dog barking this is this new world we live in you'll probably hear mine soon so i'm so. just going to shut my window <laughs> while i'm going to shut my window i'm going to talk to i'm going to ask this question and then you can answer it while i'm shutting my window although people okay. will see me shutting my window um the the that, that road that you started on at theater sports auckland you know I almost think, although Lord of the Rings is an amazing, obviously one of the best movies and series ever made, it feels like, you know, there's this old joke, you see Brett McKenzie on a, a late-night talk show about how all of his family was in it, and it doesn't seem such a big deal for Kiwis to be in it. But what about yeah. breaking into the American market? What about getting into, the, like, the Sons of Anarchy? How does how does that happen for a for a little boy from New Zealand?
1: Well, because of Lord of the Rings... Re- no, Lord, Lord of the Rings in those days, but... Uh, sorry, because of Hercules, Xena... Um, Etc. All, all of a sudden New Zealand was put on the mat uh, in, in general everyday TV world in, yep. in America. So what happened was Kevin Smith, my, my great friend who's no longer with us, was playing Aries on Hercules and Xena. And, of course, the way he looked, if you remember Kevin Smith, he was a, he Aries. Yeah, he, was, he
0: really was a Goliath of Ares. a man.
1: Totally. And he drew the attention of an agent over there who had taken on Tim Aura Morrison, Mm-hmm. and Cliff Curtis after Once a Warriors. So Joe came d- down to New Zealand and hooked up with our New Zealand agent and said, I'm interested in this guy, Kevin Smith. He looks amazing. No, I want to take him to LA. Uh, luckily for me, along the way, I uh, was also in the stable of Kevin Smith and Timura Morrison with the same agent. So my agent here, Robert, who had connected with Joe from America, said, what about this guy, Joel Tobik? And he was like, well, yeah yeah, he's good, but what, you know, what has he really got? Yeah. He, Joe was pretty, Joe's passed away just before Christmas, unfortunately, but he was very straight up and he was, he was old LA, didn't take any crap, told you straight away how it was. It's you're not the big dick. He used to, say to me, you're not the big dick here anymore. <laughs> you, you might be the big dick in New Zealand, but yeah. here you're starting from the bottom. And I, I love that about him because he was straight up. It wasn't until he saw me in, at the uh, Sky City Theatre, the Rocky Horror show right. in uh, t- 2001, that Joe suddenly went, oh, okay, I think this guy's got something. Because I was playing Frankenfurter. Yeah. To me, that's, that's a role of a lifetime. And I really hammed it up and went to town on it, as I tend to do uh, when I am given the chance. And he loved that. So he took me over to LA. Um, and so I would go over in pilot season and spend weeks, sometimes months, up there auditioning for stuff. Mm-hmm getting very close and you know they've offered the role to Bruce Willis so you didn't get it you know um but then so I'd be doing those trips on and off every two or three months I had a family here my wife was giving she gave birth to our daughter five days later I left again um it just so happened I went back and I, I, I had been watching Sons of Anarchy in uh Australia I was working in Australia, right. And I was checking out this new show called Sons of Anarchy, and I'd just seen Green Street Hooligans with Charlie Hunman had been the lead in that with Elijah Wood, I think it was. Yep. And I was going, who's this guy? Oh, he's really interesting. So I saw he, he was on Sons of Anarchy, watched a couple of episodes. Yeah, it's a great show. It's really unique, awesome. Man, I'd love to do a show like that one day. Went to LA two months later to start my auditioning process again, do my time in LA. And my agent, Joe, rung and said, you've got an audition for a show called Sons of Anarchy. Have you heard of it? And I was like, oh, my God, I'd love to. <laughs> so, and I walked into the room, and it just so happened the casting woman was Canadian. I told her where I lived in Waikato, and she said, oh, yes, I have friends down there, and blah, blah, blah. And she was an Olympian. So uh, it wow. sort of Roller, so she knew all the Olympians right, uh, right. From down this way. And so we hit it off that way. Just so happened, the audition uh, went really well, and... Uh, that mixed with the relationship I'd formed with this casting woman got me the job. Wow. And in fact, I went back for my callback, and the producer of the show said to me, "You had this as soon as you walked in the room." Cool. You, but you, that's that's what that's the way Hollywood works. Sometimes yeah. it happens that way. Sometimes it doesn't.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, not to play comparison games because I couldn't do it. But you know, um, I've done a little bit of on-screen stuff, a little bit of stage stuff. Um, but you know, when you're going into an audition that 95% of the decision is made as soon as you walk in. So like well, I would always get called back for, you know, the rugby player or the bouncer or, mm-hmm. you know, like I played on Shortland Street, um, the security guard when there was a rapist at loose, you know, it was and you right. just knew, in fact, and, and one of the funniest things is anything I ever got, which is only a handful of roles, I never actually auditioned for. That's how predicated it was on the look. I literally never got anything I auditioned for, literally. Yeah, the things I yeah. got, I never auditioned for. Yeah. You know, and and because that's how much it was about the look.
1: Yeah, well, uh, you know, I would, back in the early days, before we could upload auditions on the internet, I used to have to send my auditions to the States via videotape.
0: Right. Wow.
1: And so I remember I got my first ever pilot up there with John Leguizamo uh, from sending an audition tape from New Zealand, waiting for the, I sent it a courier, the most expensive courier we had at the time. (laughs) So it was there in two or three days. Les Moonves, apparently, who was the head of CBS, saw this tape and said, give him the job. So wow. he was pilot. And then other times I'd go up and audition 20 times and not get close. <laughs> other times I got jobs. They literally watched, watched my showreel and said, we need him, get him now. So you just don't know. Yeah.
0: Um, you mentioned Kevin Smith. I was lucky enough to have a little bit of an interaction with Kevin Smith. You and I got a little bit of a crossover, not on because I did work for Theatre Sports Auckland right. uh, late 90s. Yep. And so we did a, a couple of comedy festival shows, one called Exfolios, which was a 90-minute Shakespearean improv, and Kevin came and did that. And you know some right. of the big names, Kevin came back and Jay came back and these people uh, came yeah. back and did that, and just nicest man you'd ever met. I mean, didn't? Yeah, uh, other than the rap party and stuff, never spent any time with him, but still you could just see the nicest man you ever met and just a, a tragic loss, I think, to, to, to everyone who knew him and also just to the community that was around him.
1: Yeah, and you know what? He was... Uh... As you would know, his, he had a brain on him. Like, like he would say things every time I was with him. Like, where the hell did that come? <laughs> he had this witty uh, comeback, and his brain was so unique. But he, what was most unique about him was he had this great brain. Um, he was the loveliest guy in the world, and he looked the way he did. Yeah. Now those three things don't usually amalgamate into one person. It's very rare you find that, um, especially the sense of humour and the charm to go with it. Yep. Um, He, I learned a lot from Kevin because we spent so much time together. We used to sing in bands and stuff, and, and um, you know, we used drink. a bit when I was drinking, we drank a lot together, and he was a great, mm. great guy, funny, lovely, lovely to everybody. You know, so lovely. We'd be trying to leave venues like we've got to go and catch a plane, <laughs> and he'd be still chatting to everybody. You know, so yeah.
0: And, um those the descriptions of sort of the the, the talent, the looks, and the brain. Um, I don't know. Just i would never thought this before, but it's like he he comes across like New Zealand's Matt Damon. You think about Matt Damon when you hear, when you hear him talking. Like I've, I'm sure all of us have seen that clip on the internet where he's talking to the Fox News reporter about education and the importance yeah. of education. If he seems to be even though you know we all love um, World Police, the uh, American yes. South Park Matt guys. Damon. Yeah, we all love that, but he seems to be. One of those guys who's a bit of a trifecta as well i don't know just that jumped into my head when you said those kind of three right. things don't line up very much
1: yeah it's just odd you know um yeah it was an odd combination that he had because uh, i and i think you know part of part of that with kevin was that he was not quite comfortable in one of in one of those three aspects of his personality right. he was not comfortable in one of them right and i think i think uh i don't think he was a natural fit to the whole hunky muscly hollywood type thing I oh really it was a, i don't think if he had his choice he wouldn't have he didn't like being known as that guy for a start because everyone thought he was thick because he was like he was a sort of like hey guy and with muscles yeah so friends of mine would meet him and that immediately talked to him like he was an idiot <laughs> and i'm like he, he's one of the smartest guys i know right so i'd have to say to them, hey dude just be cool man he's actually a good guy he's not this you know but I don't think he really wanted to be known as the hunky movie actor. I think deep down, because he wasn't—he wasn't like that deep
0: down. So for you personally, I mean, obviously you've been named, and I understand there's going to be, um, you know, restrictions around what, and or if you can say anything. But you've been named. Have yeah. you been named to play Robin? Is that right? Is that the, what the moustache yes. is
1: for? Is Robin Dane. Yeah. Is
0: that a Robin b- moustache?
1: Yeah. Although since the lockdown, I've grown, regrown these James Headfield, yeah, uh, ape hanger bits just to say, because I don't like having a moustache, I look like a cop, or I look like the guy from Simpsons, the next door, the Christian <laughs> New <near> Flanders. <laughs> so I decided to grow these bits.
0: Don't put that out there, that'll that'll very quickly turn <laughs> into a right, meme. Mate. <laughs> um, so that's, obviously that's, I would assume, I'm saying obviously, I would assume that has been put back because of what's going on and everyone's in lockdown yeah. at the moment. When when was it due to film and when are you, is, is there an announcement for when it's going to film now?
1: No. Um, we're not doing anything until uh, we all are at a healthy point right. in the lockdown, which whether that's level two, I would say it's anything level two and under. Yep. We, but um, we're hoping that's only a, you know six to eight weeks away to finish it. We were halfway through pretty much. Oh, okay. Uh, I showed up to work two, three Mondays ago, whenever it was, and we were having a big meeting saying it's at the point now we have to decide whether we keep going or not. And right. we thought it would be best not. And literally the next day it was announced that we were level three. So. Right.
0: Is there a is there a ever a concern that you know, uh, you know who who know if you, if you stop anything for 8, 10, 12, 15 weeks something yeah. could happen. People could change appearance. People could no, no one wishes this on anyone, but no longer be here. Is that yeah. a, a significant concern for? I and mean, you had to stop production because of the lockdown, but is that part of the conversation of of concern? <laughs>
1: Oh, of course, it, but you know, uh, I think we we definitely all want to finish it, and we and we were so loving what we were doing. Yeah. Um. We've as, as a given as sort an of automatic response was, well, I'm not changing the way I look. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Uh, I really want to finish this because we all believe in it so much, because it's um, such a, a great piece what we're doing, and uh, so I think everyone's on board definitely, um, and hopefully it's completed sooner rather than later.
0: And obviously, without going into anything you can't talk about has has doing the because because for people who don't know we haven't actually said it, it's the it's the uh, the Bane murders that's the best that's the yeah. movie we're talking about um obviously as you can see yeah. the the the, the uh, blue and white uh, blue and yellow in the background you're just speaking to otago here you're yeah, coming yeah, to yeah, you yeah. live from dunedin um in fact the Bane house sold or the, the property that the Bane house was on sold within the last 18 months i think a couple of years Is that right. yeah yeah the, yeah. the, the address we were,
1: we were due to come down there in a few weeks to finish filming, but obviously we, it's all on hold. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but have you, has your mindset? I mean, everyone had an opinion on this. Forget you were in the movie, but a year yeah. ago you would had an opinion on this. Has anything yeah. changed in your opinion since doing the script, reading the thing, researching it a bit more? Uh,
1: no, and uh, because no, because we're not really focusing on the event itself. Hmm. Uh, are you able to oh, say what the
0: focus is, or is that part of the secrecy around it? Don't 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 say anything you even are unsure yeah, yeah. of. You're not able to say. Uh,
1: we're, I don't think we're trying to convince anyone either way. Okay. It's not what. Well, that's
0: not what this is about. That would be. I think that would be quite hard to do because if you're telling, I mean, as I said, I don't want to talk about stuff you're not allowed to talk about. Obviously, but in my head, I'm thinking, okay, so a story, a narrative has to come out. You know, because it seems that there's three possibilities in this in this thing: either the son did it, the dad did it, or an unknown third party did it. And it must be quite interesting if you're not trying to sell a narrative, how yeah. that will then pan out.
1: What What I'm finding interesting though is the how much emotionally uh, uh, attached I am to who I'm playing.
0: Right. Really. So if
1: I so if I hear from outside sources. Well, we think Robin Bain did it because yeah. I become very protective of him. Oh, that's interesting. But not to, that's not to say that I we're not doing things in the show that would lend that idea to uh, in the consciousness of, the, of people watching it. But I'm playing a, a person, yeah. So I'm naturally connected to this person, of course. Um, who
0: literally walked the streets at where I'm sitting right now? You know, who literally right. was a person who was literally here, who had literal friends here. It's not some imaginary being.
1: And and what's been really uh, interesting for all of us is the fact that we are playing people who are, who are no longer here, yeah, and who were killed in a very violent way. And so you know we're sensitive actors, and so we're we're feeling it too. So we have a cut here at the beginning of the week, at the end of the week. Oh, nice We have a psychologist available to us to discuss anything we need to discuss. Uh, everyone checks in with each other Is everyone okay, you know because it's not it, it, we're playing real people, we want to honour that yeah honour their memory as best we can. but these people uh, did not leave this earth pleasantly.
0: And also it's it happened yesterday. It's not like you're doing a film That's about right. Napoleon, that you can't really offend anyone, however you pray. You, you, you're talking about someone who was here yesterday. And and maybe what some people don't understand, and look, I don't understand this because I'm not an actor, even though I've, I've done a few things here and there. Um, when I was doing something on Shortland Street, when I played that security guard who was employed because of the rapist who was... who was, I saw one of the one of the actresses kind of have to go through on screen the emotion of having been part of that narrative being Uh, raped and so and so then what i got to witness afterwards was the absolute crap she went through kind of coming down from the ocean emotion she had to put into that scene because it's almost like she had to reach in and find something real to put that on screen but it wasn't real as far as we know um and then yeah it was it was I guess it's that you know that American fake it till you make it if you fake it sometimes it still impacts your body like it's real like it still yeah. feels real it still has the same emotions and even though it's it's made up and I I mean I, I don't want to talk about acting I'm, I, I don't know anything about it but it would it would seem to me that that would be the best kind of acting somewhere you can reach down and grab something real but then you've got the consequences of dealing with that real emotion
1: and I tell you I've had to reach down into very dark places to get to an emotional level for things that I've done mmm um and, and I say a little prayer afterwards or I or I give something back to the universe or receive something from the universe just to clear myself because it's, it's it all sounds very active wankery but mm. um you have to you have to find something. Especially when you're standing in front of fifty people. We're all going, we am got to shoot this before lunch So you know, you have to go there. Um it's not pleasant. Um, you know, uh, so if you look, if actors look after themselves spiritually, organically, collectively, then they're okay.
0: Um, is it something that you can talk about what your kind of uh, outside the filming of this movie position was? Or is it something you want to hold on to? I also want to just remind you, we are live streaming. So yeah. <laughs> so whatever you say kind of is done then. It's out there. There's no yeah. post-edit here. Um, okay. But is, like 12 months ago, if I said to you in a pub, what do you think of that Bane murder you know, would you have had an opinion and was it something you can share now what you did think then?
1: I'm too close to it at the moment okay. to, to comment, I'm afraid. no. no, no, no appreciate afraid. the question, but I'm just too in it. Yep. Um, uh, that said, you know, I've had whatever opinions I had in the beginning may now have uh, moved occasionally.
0: Yeah. No, look, I don't. I don't want to go down a track that we can't oh. go down, and I don't want to. And I don't well. want to push you to a place which is not helpful to, I guess, your process, because you could be back in that process in two weeks' time.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 I don't think, to be honest, my opinion on the the actual event is relevant to anyone. Yeah, cool. You know what I mean?
0: And maybe hopefully, I mean, not not to say that we'll we'll talk about that anymore. But when you are in Dunedin doing a film. Maybe hopefully my studio will be back open again, and we can have a chat again. That'd be nice. Absolutely,
1: I'd love that. Yeah, yeah. rather than being
0: <laughs> rather than being in my bedroom, my bedroom, which I've slapped together some things. I was so you...
1: admiring your soundproofing at the back there.
0: Yeah, well, actually, in front of me, I've got their little panels that I bought off um, AliExpress and never used. Yeah. Luckily, I had them at home because I've done up the studio that I'm in that's off-site yeah. with proper actual baffling. So in front of yeah. me, I've got one, two, three by one, two, three, four. I've got a wall of. 12 of those panels as well so when I speak this way I don't get yeah. the echo coming back so
1: well I've got a little voiceover studio downstairs and I've done the same thing yeah yeah
0: <laughs> um so with this whole kind of lockdown thing we're going into how how are you how are you handling it how's what's what's your daily action like is it a rehearsal reading family time for you or what's going on
1: well we've had a full house all our kids are back so there's uh, there's five of us my oldest daughter from Wellington's come back. We've got her back just in time. Right. So there's three children. There's my wife and myself. We tend to, my wife and I love to exercise. And our oldest daughter. So uh, we will bike ride or do some stuff at home, work yep. out at home. Yeah. And luckily I have a lot of stuff to do around the property. <laughs> uh, so I've been having a lot of firewood delivered at arm's length, of course. Yeah. Our fire would guy Jeff who I'd usually help stack it or he would usually help me he's now just dumping it and leaving yep so I have to stack it all under the house so I've got another load coming today after I talk to you right and in my shed out the back I have a very sort of 100 square meter shed that I've been trying to find a rat and we found the rat yesterday so I've had to I got my wife to remove the rat because I'm too scared (laughs) (laughs) can you believe it and so I've been Cleaning out the top mezzanine part of the shed, and there's, I mean, there's always something to do. So, and a very, it was a very long answer to a very short question. We're doing great yeah. at the moment. Yeah. Um, what I'm loving is the fact that the world has slowed down. I always felt the last year or two for me, especially, I felt I've constantly been running or jogging or something or panting just to keep up, and it's been nice to while. don't want people to get sick or die and especially people lose jobs i mean that's that's heartbreaking but i think if there is a positive out of this we've all slowed down and stopped to to take a look at the view or smell the flowers or just be i think i I think that's
0: i think i can hear it in your voice as well when you use the word positive sometimes you kind of go because there's so much negative but the way uh, i the way i think about it is byproducts what byproducts will come from this yeah and um it's funny you talked about the work around the house i was talking to someone yesterday and i said it's like it's you know like they call it talk about christchurch being the garden city it's like i imagine every property in new zealand is going to be pristine at oh, the no. end of four weeks everyone's done all their clear outs everyone's mowed all their lawns they've finally got around to pulling those weeds and yeah
1: and, and i i'd say a lot of people are going to be a lot healthier um where we live there's people walk, walking or a lot of cyclists you know all sort of staying in their bubbles cycling around the area yep i think um we're already eating less takeaway food you yeah. uh, know we're, we're pretty healthy in the house nowadays anyway but um you know that then there, there's the other side of that we don't want all the people at McDonald's not to have a job yeah of course but, you know i don't know I, and, but for, what do i know i mean you, um God. I can only I can only comment what I'm what I'm experiencing, but I can imagine for some it's not as as positive and airy fairy as it is for me.
0: It does appear though that and I know I was looking at the numbers this morning actually, that it's it's always tough when this kind of becomes political because there are some people saying not doing enough, not doing enough. But I looked at a stat this morning and if you look at like there's a graph and if i was in my studio we'd bring it up on the screen and we could both got it together but i'm using obs and zoom i'm not going to fuck around with it because i'll mess it up and we'll get shoved off shoved off here but there's the graph that talks about number of cases and numbers of death i mean that those graphs are everywhere and yeah. we are the highest number of cases for only one death so everyone right. below us like if they've got 300 cases are either one death or more you know, some have got 300 cases with 16 deaths. I'm assuming that's a, there's a reason for that, or they're an elderly population or whatever. But yeah. I, I actually thought, I mean, zero deaths is what anyone One death is a horrible thought. But that kind of spoke to me that getting into this, maybe not as early as places like Taiwan and South Korea, but on the earlier side, is hopefully going to mean a better outcome than could have been. Certainly better than some of those places like Italy, Iran, Spain, and certainly the US.
1: Yeah, and yeah, I mean, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts about, and they get the epidemiologists on to talk about things and these people who study this for for a career. It's been interesting what they've been saying. And of course, I'm guessing in Europe, because everyone lives so close together and on top of each other. Yep. More likely to spread in those big cities. New York's very compact. Yep, and uh, everyone lives literally at arm's length. You know, Um, we're lucky in New Zealand that we have space around us and less people. Um, Lucky is the wrong word, of course, but you know what I mean. It is what it is. uh, And and what one guy was saying yesterday on this podcast, they're not sure if certain uh, people from certain countries uh, are able uh, to to fight this differently than others. So people in Africa might have a different makeup in their body, how they respond to this virus. Right. Different to people in Asia. Europeans might have a different chemical makeup. And so different things happen. So I don't, that's been interesting to me.
0: Interesting you would say that because I noticed my ancestry through Ireland, I noticed that they've got a proportional wise, like they've got fewer cases than New Zealand, but they've had a hundred plus deaths. And I'm oh, like, right. shit. If that was the case, if it was about kind of DNA versus immune, immunology, it's like, shit. I've got those Irish genes there. I better, I better doubly yeah, be right. careful then. Maybe. So yeah, but it's it's uh, the other thing I think that that some people are finding frustrating, other than the bigger picture, is things are changing. Like we're now being told the masks might might be a good idea, might be a good idea. Whereas two weeks ago it was like masks don't make any difference. So I'm I'm yeah. hoping I'm hoping we get definitive. Which maybe you can't, but we get definitive. Suggestions and answers sooner rather than later.
1: I think from what this guy was saying yesterday, they're all we're all learning as we go. There's yeah, yeah. no, there's no book on it, and the book's being written as we experience it. You know, so yeah. Well, we I don't know. I was
0: out yesterday for the first time in ten days. I just shot out to the um, to get some fresh produce.
1: Did you line up?
0: Uh, didn't because I know the people who run the store. So I turned up sort of right at closing time, and um, just got in got out warmer gloves um yeah I, and i i i've got um talk about health decisions i've got psoriasis for so people who don't know it's kind of a skin condition and so using yeah. i found that using the alcohol rubs actually burns me so uh, quite 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 early on i bought a few hundred of those um uh, i was gonna say silicon gloves you know gloves at dentists and stuff whatever they're called yeah. um and I've been, when I was wearing them before, people were, and people were looking at me like I was a weirdo, and now everyone's wearing yeah. them. And so I'm like, I just pull those on when I'm walking out the door. And I think about, we've been thinking about barriers, right? So you have barriers. So the, the, the door is a barrier. So I had a delivery come the other day, and that delivery had to cross the barrier. So we had to quite decontaminate the, the, the delivery. Yeah. Whereas I think about my car door as being a barrier. So I drive to, I walk down to the car, I then pull the gloves on. I then get in the car. you know. Then when I get out of the car, I take the gloves off and that becomes the barrier sort of thing. So yeah. that's sort of what we're doing. But it's, it's impossible to be, to be 100% safe because then, of course, you bring the food inside and then you've got to, in theory, yeah. decontaminate the and food. I'm, and...
1: and I'm the designated shopper for our family, and I also shop for my in-laws who live around the corner. So right. I have been, after I buy their stuff, I bring it home and I've been wiping it down. Again, you go, but hang on, I'll just wipe that down. But then I've touched that, so am I, am I taking this back to the, you know, to contaminate this? So, so it's a bit of a head space issue of what I've just done. You've got to backtrack. I've just been there. I've touched that. Um, it's yeah, it's not easy. I'm mean, generally quite exhausted after been for a shop because it's, it's too, there's a lot to think about now.
0: Yeah, I was only out for I was only in a you know in a shop for 20 minutes yesterday. And there was basically no one in it. There was two or three people in it because it was basically the, the closing time. But even that, I'm just like watching and looking around, like, "What am I? Okay, okay, really going? Don't touch your face! Don't touch your face! Don't touch your face!" You know, it's just, your brain is—it's like I remember someone describing one of the reasons there's road rage is that when you're driving, you're already at a nine because your senses are so because <laughs> yeah. your senses are so heightened. You're like. You know, that kid's walking on the side of the road, watch them What their yeah. car's at the road, they're going, to... so you're already heightened. So it's actually quite easy to flump, you know, to go over that edge for some people. And I felt like yeah. that in the, in the shop yesterday. I was like, I'm already heightened. And I'm yeah. like, everything's checking everything, watching everyone. Hey, that's a bit close, you know, stay back. I'm, I'll get this fruit. And so, yeah, it was exa- it was exhausting. Imagine. It was exhausting to go to the shops.
1: I can't imagine those frontline workers, though, you know, what they experience, not only in the supermarkets, but also in the hospitals and just all day, it's like that.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah I totally. Just,
1: I mean, they're the true heroes out of all this is everyone who's dealing with us, you know.
0: Yeah, I said on another podcast earlier, um, and here in Dunedin, um, there was there's a rest home, and yeah. nine of the people working at the rest home before the lockdown happened all agreed that they'd move in. So they left their families and they moved into the rest mm. home, and that means the rest home then becomes the so-called bubble and people aren't coming or going at all. And I yeah. thought, you know, and this is what I said to the—I I think I might have been talking to Steve Wrigley about this. I said, um, you know, we always have these Queen's Birthday honours and that sort of thing. These things that people are awarded. and I'm like, those are the people that I want to see get them this year. You know, like so. I mean, no offence personally to, to Sir John Key, but you know, he gets his prime minister, he, he he gets his rewards anyway. It's these people who are giving up their life for. A month, six weeks away from their kids to look after older people, elderly people, just because someone has to. They're the they're the heroes this time around.
1: Well, I keep thinking of that line, and I think it was Armageddon when someone said to when Bruce Willis said to the president, "You know, if we go and stop this meteor from coming and hitting Earth, we want to pay no taxes yeah. ever <laughs> again." And I think that's that's their reward. That should be their reward. Yeah, uh, you know, they don't get paid enough.
0: Well, that's the other thing. There is a. I just hope this doesn't turn into, you know, we saw nine eleven, and on, on our own level, we saw that horrific massacre in Christchurch, and the world turns into this gracious, grateful, mm-hmm. loving, caring place that everyone else comes first, and nothing's a problem for about three minutes, yeah. and then we go back. And I, I, I just, you know, we, you were talking, I was talking about the byproducts to come from this. Man, this is our you know, like my my parents were born in the in World War Two, so my grandparents were adults in World War Two, and you hear about queues for bread, hear about that kind of stuff, and we're n- without the danger of bombs overhead, right? But f- for some of us, we've never well, for most of us, we've never experienced anything like this before, uh, especially yeah. if we're kind of born and bred Kiwis. Um, and I just I hope that this flows on to something better. Afterwards, they say that the you know that the fifties and maybe even the sixties were sort of the celebration of getting over the forties, and I just I just hope that this doesn't turn into five minutes of gratitude and then life as usual.
1: I know. That, well, yeah, no, I know. And um, not to top you on that story, but my grandfather was on the front line in World War Two. Wow! So, and he was not like eighteen, nineteen. Um, so I can't imagine not only our people here having to line up for bread, but being on the front lines. (laughs) So, you know, and it's not too much to ask for us to stay inside for four weeks.
0: Yeah, and I think that's it, isn't it? I mean, like 75 million people died across all all campaigns during World War II, you know? And, I mean, no one's suggesting that 75 million are going to die from this, but probably millions will. And so you look at the... You look at the outcome. You look at the deaths. You look at how it's impacting society. And on some levels, this is—I mean, I know I don't want to talk about Trump necessarily in a positive light, but he talked about being a wartime president. I'm a wartime president, but he's sort of right. It's—it's it's just a different kind of war. It's—it's, it's, you know, a war against this this unseeing, invisible enemy that, unless we all band together and all fight together, yeah. we all lose. Well, yeah,
1: and that's that's the the difference in all of this isn't it apart from the immediacy and the impact it's having is that it's unknown and we're all all looking to each other going do you know what's happening yeah maybe maybe you and i are going to have to come together on this because we need to work it out
0: yeah and that's the i don't know thing hey eh? I'm, I'm i mean you said to me before we went live stream and during the live stream, how, how are things i'm like i don't really know I just, I don't, I, I do feel really lucky and really blessed and, you know, I, I work in a digital world on some level so I can kind of continue on with what I'm doing. In fact, I'm getting busier because people are available all of a sudden to have a chat and do yeah. this sort of thing. But I, I just, I don't know, like my, my kids are with their mum for the full four weeks and I said this yeah. yesterday, I'm lucky enough that we, we're neighbours so mm-hmm. we still have that interaction. I get up on the deck and talk over the fence for 20 minutes and, you know, catch up and stuff so that's, I'm lucky. But I can't give him a hug. You know, that's it's something we've yeah. that decided to do. Um, and I just, I, I, so much of life is I don't know at the moment. And I wonder as well, I was watching a YouTube clip last night with an um, evangelical Christian trying to convert an atheist. Because <laughs> I'm a sadist and that's the kind of television I watch. <laughs> and the, the atheist was going, it's okay to say, I don't know you know yeah. and the evangelical was like i have all the answers they're in this book and the and, and the guy was going i i don't know the answer to your question but that doesn't mean i default to your question being the answer and yeah. i was just like and this is not that was i'm not making a position on their conversation but i'm like i think it's actually okay the point i was making it's okay to be in an i don't know stage it's okay to say look i just i just don't know how i'm feeling i don't know how happy i am i i, yeah. I don't know how it's going to be in 4 weeks time I'm just literally, it's its the most one day at a time I've ever lived, you know?
1: Yeah. Interesting thing, though, what I've been thinking about this a lot, is that all of a sudden, from going to, from, uh, we don't trust the scientific viewpoint on climate change, they're all a bunch of hacks and what they know is all <laughs> the big hoax and now we need the scientists because we need to find a cure for this thing. Yeah. So that's, you know. That's interesting to
0: me. The one question I've heard bandied about the internet, which I'm most desperate to find out about, is when a vaccine comes along, what will the anti-vaxxers do? That's Actually, that's the thing I want to know (laughs) most of all. Are they going to still reject it like all the others, or are they going to step up? It's like probably... Uh, 24, 36 months ago, there was a measles outbreak in uh, in the Waikato, actually, around a school. Mm-hmm. And then uh, all of a sudden, a bunch of anti-vaxxers became, uh, yeah, we should get vax- vaccinated for this because they didn't have that first world privilege of going, the herd will protect me. They were actually yeah. in the shit, so they had to do it. So I'm interested to see, what, yeah. speaking of science, what will happen with with, uh, with those lovely group of people once this, once this hopefully f- finds one.
1: A friend of mine put it recently. They said, um, this is Mother Nature. Telling us all to go and think about what we've done to the world. <laughs>
0: <laughs> time out. So it's four yeah, weeks. Yeah. Time out. Well, that's yeah. happening as well, aren't there? These streams are clearing up, and these, yeah. these are the byproducts. I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Yeah. You know, people were saying we've got till twenty twenty two for climate change, or else there's nothing. Going, will this, you know, six week break to the earth? Will that go? Oh, actually, we've got till twenty thirty now. That's how yeah, much yeah, it's maybe. reset itself.
1: What you know, I'm liking too is the fact that uh, usually I'd be filling up my car once a week, but I've had this—it's been at the same level of petrol usage <laughs> for just ten days.
0: Yeah, I actually, I actually filled my car up. My sister gave me an idea. She was in Auckland, and she was like, "I'm gonna get petrol in my car." I was talking to her on the phone. And she was like, "Ah, oh, fuck!" And there's like twenty cars lined up, and I went, "Oh." Okay, that sounds like that might be a good idea. So I went down to my little local Dunedin one, and there was one car in the forecourt. I was like, oh, yeah. So I pulled up yeah. and filled up. And then I thought, well, I'm, while I'm here, you never know what's going to happen. So I've got like a 20-litre petrol container for my you know lawnmowers and stuff. So I filled that up as well. And like you say, I've got a little excess, and I've used like, well, I've, I've driven a total of about 20Ks. So I've used nothing. Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> one thing I'm looking forward to at the end of all this is all the new music that's going to be coming out from all, pe- all the musos. At home in their home studios, working on stuff by themselves for four weeks and then uninterrupted.
0: Uninter- well, art in general, I guess. Hey, right. eh? I mean, I yeah. know I know of someone I spoke to a English comedian. The first one of these I did online, and he's writing a sitcom at the moment. And right. I guess because he's got he's had to cancel all his uh, festival appearances. Well, they've been yep. cancelled on him, and he's spending this time finally doing the sitcom idea that he's been thinking about for That's two right. or three years.
1: Yeah, so be a lot of great scripts coming out, a lot of ideas for TV shows, a lot of great art, as you say. So yeah.
0: Are you someone who uh, works in that part of the creative world? Do you like creating original content as well? Have you got a few scripts up your sleeve? Or are you more I, just, you know, you like I, I, performing it?
1: I You know, I have been working on some stuff, but I, it's probably more I like to just do it, you know. Uh, and, and luckily, I've been very busy in the last little while, so I haven't had a lot of time. But you know, So I feel like, you know, because if I'm working a lot, my creative output is... Big health has is, is been nicely caressed and nurtured, so I don't really need to do any more. Yeah. Um, and I'm not terribly ambitious when it comes to that. I should probably get a little more ambitious, but I've got a few ideas I'd like to put out there. Yeah.
0: Are you and and obviously not to get into your personal finances completely, but this break for you and with the work you've had and got, I guess, lined up afterwards financially for you is this is this an is this is this basically a break or is this a concern financially?
1: Both. So it's a nice break but i wouldn't want it to go on for too long right but i'm very conservative anyway so right
0: meaning yeah. what you the, what is it um this is 40. have you seen this is 40 the movie no it's a comedy movie it's uh judd i was gonna say judd hirsch no um judd, no, judd, uh, apatow. judd. Ap- apatow and his wife leslie mann opposite um paul rudd
1: paul rudd right. was Aunt
0: man A eh? is that right Paul Rudd? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Judd Apatow and, and Paul Rudd do a lot of stuff together. Yeah. Right. And the movie is about, you know, turning 40. This is 40. Yeah. And about Leslie Mann turning 40. And there's some really funny scenes in it. Like, she goes to her doctor and the doctor goes, uh, I thought you were 39. And the nurse goes, your records say you're 38. And the receptionist goes, our records say you're 40. Because she's been jumping <laughs> all over the place. And, uh, but one of the things that happens is, um, this: I've, I've, I've got a reason for telling the story. Um but Paul Rudd's character owns a record label and he wants to produce a bunch of old rockers music. He wants to like put out a new album for a big artist from the 70s. So he does that and he puts this artist's album out and it doesn't sell. And the artist goes, oh, did you want the album to sell? <laughs> and yeah. Paul, Paul Rudd's character goes, well, of course, I'm banking on it. And, he, and then as this, you know, this 1970s rocker gives him this lesson, he goes, what you need to do is keep a small nut. If you keep your outgoing small, if you keep your, your debt ratio small and you have a small nut, which is what he calls it, you know, that that's how to live your life. Yeah. And I'm thinking about, is it Ed Bagley Jr. who still lives in a really small house somewhere in Los Angeles yeah. and rides his bike around and and people who are in the arts who get, you know, decent paychecks from a movie or a TV or an album yeah. and they don't live ex- exorbitant lifestyles is well, the, are the, it's the ex- way to go. Exact.
1: Apparently Zach Gaff Galifianakis who was in The Honeymoon or Honeymoon, whatever it is, yep. with Bradley Cooper. He said the same shitty old Toyota for like ten or fifteen years. Wow. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and other friends of mine who are doing well in Hollywood, they live pretty easily and don't spend a lot of money. They don't need to have Ferraris; they can afford them, but they just don't want them. You know. So yeah, it's it's, it's times like these you. Like to think that you work for what's important and you try and reflect on what's important.
0: Would it be fair to say that in working in the arts, and I mean, you work in you know, film and television, but you're also a muso as well, that yeah. chasing the dollar would be the one thing to kind of drag you away from the authentic artist kind of uh, artistic output? Like, if the focus, like, money needs to be the byproduct, not the focus.
1: Totally. Although, I, admittedly, I have been on the other side of that where I've gone, I need to try and start making money. And I'm going to, if it means I sell out and do a Bruce Willis movie in Hollywood that pays me a lot of money, I'll do it. But I've also, do have a very strong um, sense of it, it is about the art. Uh, I've got a family to feed, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But um, I'm, you know, the project is more important than the, financial reward. Have,
0: have you ever had that opportunity? Have you ever had kind of a good payday and you've gone, it's yes, just not a good fit for me?
1: Yeah. I've worked on big movies where I've gone, this is my dream and you know, I'm just not really enjoying it. I'm sorry. Cause right. There's no soul. Right, wow. <laughs> um, big American films, they have a lot of money and they look after you and it, it, it's, it's just, I'm very grateful. They drive me everywhere and I get a trailer and blah, blah, blah. But um, sometimes you just... Would love to go back to making a New Zealand drama where you're not being put in a trailer and being pampered and driven everywhere because there's something a bit more real about it.
0: One of the funniest, one of the funniest things about being pampered that I've seen recently is the Mark Twain Awards with um, Dave Chappelle uh, accepting his Mark Twain Award. If you haven't seen it, or if other people like that haven't seen it, look up uh, John Stewart's speech to Dave Chappelle at the Mark Twain Awards. And when he yep. talks about how I don't want to spoil it, it is actually one of the funniest things on the internet when he talks about what happened to the fifty million dollars that Dave Chappelle turned down when he walked away from his show. All right. So I'm not gonna right. I'm not gonna spoil it, but people should look it up. It's on YouTube, it's on the it's on the Mark Twain official kind of website. Um, and oh, I've just noticed know. actually that Mark Twain awards with Dave Chappelle has just come to Netflix. All right. Yeah, so I noticed it the other oh. day. Oh.
1: Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah I've seen the reaction. Yeah.
0: And I haven't seen the whole thing and I'm quite keen to see it. But yeah, the, the John Stewart is just you know, he's he's like you know how they used to talk about um what is it, Judy Bailey was the mother of the nation. Well John yeah. Stewart seems to be sort of the the father or grandfather of comedy. He's not necessarily the you know, the best out there sort of thing, but he seems he's to he he seems to be the guy that almost carol, carries the moral standing and speaks on behalf of society so very well. Compared to most yeah. people,
1: um, yeah, I like I like him a lot. He's sort of stepped away from um, the spotlight a bit, hasn't he, over the years? Been...
0: Well, it seems that actually he's doing some stuff with Chappelle. I've seen him on a few interviews recently, doing a bit more stand-up stuff. But when he went away from um, the Daily Show, he's worth a hundred million, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what the that's what the, the insider and you know the net worth places kind of say. So he wanted to pass it on, and he wanted to pass it on in good times, would you do the Trevor Noah and what yeah. have you got other things to do? Why wouldn't you? I mean, let's like Jerry Seinfeld, yeah. Jerry Seinfeld's worth a billion dollars and now he basically does this little, uh, basically a podcast, even yeah. though it's getting, you know, Netflix money now, um, talking about cars with his mates. I mean, you know, if you could, who wouldn't, who wouldn't.
1: And, you know, I have friends who worked in Hollywood and done very well and they've left and gone, I just don't want to do it anymore. Mm. It's It's, I think, um, I have a friend on a very big show in America who's the lead. And uh, last time I talked to him, he was like, Yeah, the show's going great. I'm making a lot of money, but it, it's it. This could be it. And um, I remember going out for a drink one night in America after doing a day on Sons of Anarchy with Titus Welliver, who was playing my boss. And remember the Irish boss? who's my boss in the show.
0: Yeah.
1: He, he Him and I became good mates. And he took me out and he said, Hey, we're going to go out have a drink with the guy who was the lead in Nip Tuck. I can't remember his name. Nice guy. Uh, he made a lot of money over six years, but I said, so what's he doing now? He said, yeah, i years. So, you know, there is, you can have all the rewards and the monetary satisfaction from what you're doing, but if you're not doing anything, it means nothing. Right, wow. So, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I have a lot of friends who are, great actors who just won't go near hollywood
0: that is, that's just not for them oh, i sometimes wonder and i wonder this a bit about Tyker actually um and obviously you know Tyker um mm. i wonder if Tyker kind of does one for them a couple for me you know yeah i'll, I'll do one for you i mean it's not like he's selling a soul i mean thor ragnarok broke the mold on other yeah. superhero movies because it had that flair that none of the others had so it wasn't like a selling a soul, but you know, you earn the money on that one then you come away and you do um what Absolutely. we do what we do in the shadows the TV series, which was amazing right I actually think yeah. this is might be controversial to some, but I think the TV series is better than the movie is that right oh amazing so so right. good
1: okay I haven't seen it um yeah,
0: it's just so good. You know, there's there's very few television programs that you kind of go, have to watch, have to watch. It was one of them for me. Mm. Now, I would recommend that to anybody. And I wonder um, if there are many people who do that sort of thing. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll make some money on this one. I won't sell myself, yeah. but it's not my dream job. And then I'll go do a couple of indies or something and do what I really want to do.
1: There's also an element of two, you know, if I was offered the lead in a big Hollywood production, of course I'd do it, just mm. because why not? Why wouldn't I? And then you can say you've done one. And I think that might be partly true with Taika, as you know, got being offered to, to direct four, of course, they're going to take it. Why not? Yeah. But then he does balance it out with, well, I want to I make Jojo Rabbit, and I want to do something else, and then I want to do my thing, and then you know, so it's got a sense of it on.
0: What did? How did you feel? I mean, that I was thinking about um, Jermaine Clement the other day. Jermaine Clement. Yeah. That Clement, yeah. around him, he's got uh, Brett McKenzie with an Oscar. Tyker with an Oscar, and he's kind of still sitting a little bit in the middle there. <laughs> but you were obviously—I imagine—you must have seen that live. You must have been watching it, and watching him get it. How did yeah. it feel? How did it feel to someone who knows him?
1: I, I, I texted him the, during the day just to wish him luck, and we haven't spoken in a while because he's so busy. And but he texted me straight back, and you know it was lovely to and he said thanks, man. I'll, you know I miss you, and so you know. So I was—I could tell he was a bit nervous. Did you think he was yeah, gonna?
0: I oh, dude, I've I've never seen him I so I, I've never seen him so fabulogasted speaking. I think when he got up there, he was massively overwhelmed. I mean, you know, he was still funny and he was still, but he, there was something yeah. different about him, that speech he made. Oh. Where you're like, oh, dude, this is this is bigger than you realized. I think this has got on top of you.
1: Understandably well, I, so. I, I would probably whip myself. I mean, I, to be up, <laughs> standing up there in front of a billion people, in front of all those people you probably consider your peers in the business it's t- terrifying, I mean, I don't know how anyone would be. So, but you know, he handled it well, and yep. he's got an Oscar, he, yep. and I haven't. So, yep. <laughs> <you> know, we, <laughs> not many of us do. Is that something?
0: On. Is that something that matters? Like, is that something that, as an actor, you kind of go, "I would want one," or is it, again, does that become a byproduct of the, of the work? Yeah.
1: of course, I would love to get one, but if I don't, I'm not going to die <laughs> sad about that. You know, it's. I've held one. I've held uh, uh, one in Wellington. Um, I did Lord of the Rings one of Richard's um so I've held one yeah can say that
0: yeah yeah I've done it's that that's, that's 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 probably more than ninety nine percent of the world 99.99% yeah. of the world just even holding uh, one
1: yeah I mean you know it's uh, I get I, lucky luckily I get to I get to work with some of these people on occasion which I to me is uh reward enough as well
0: yeah whether it's a good
1: experience or a bad experience, but they're generally pretty good experiences and they're just normal people.
0: When you were doing Sons of Anarchy, did you have any interaction, I can't remember the exact scenes and stuff you did, but with Ron Perlman? Were you actually in with him?
1: Yeah. What's he like? Well, those guys, we did the big sort of climax, which is at 6 or whatever it was, uh, when we had the big standoff and the big fight. And I hadn't really worked with all the guys as a a group. Mm Mm-hmm. And in fact, uh, I think his name's Jimmy with the big scar around his... Yep. And he, Tommy, Tommy.
0: He's in Braveheart he was, as well.
1: Right. Well, yeah. he, he was one of the few out of all those guys that every time he saw me, he said, you are I like, ain't brother. You are I like, brother. <laughs> Even, the, you know, I'd be in the van with all these guys driving to see it and I'd be like, oh God, what are they doing? I can't do this, I can't do this. And surrounded by all these guys. And one of them, uh, Mark Boone, who's the Gary guy in the gang, no, I forgot my name, yeah. We did a movie together here in New Zealand. Oh, right. So I already knew Mark. Um, and Dayton, who played the cop, the old cop, he would come to my agent's house for barbecues and stuff. So we sort of got to know each other. But as a collective, you know, and you're on a big TV show, it's quite intimidating, especially if, if you're from New Zealand. Yeah. Not, and not particularly ambitious, <laughs> like me. So... It wasn't until they saw all these, all the boys saw me doing um, a part of the sequence where I was reacting to them shooting at me and blah blah blah. They all suddenly went, "Actually, he knows what he's doing." <laughs> hey man, come and sit with us. Come over and sit. And so it took a while for them to realise that I wasn't just some day player who nice. was not particularly uh, good. But they realised, "Oh, he's, he's all right." And so I would end up having lunch with them, and I had lunch with Ron Perlman on one day on set, and. Um, He's Ron Pillman. Yeah, he's, uh, he would salute all the whenever we drove to set in our van because uh, they, have, they have security guards. They have cops with guns on set all, at all times. Wow. The, the, They're hired security. And of course, if you're shooting, I shot something down in Hollywood once and I was shooting in Capitol Records so we had to go from the unit base to the Capitol Records which meant crossing the road. And so they had their security guy, who's a police officer with a gun, stopping traffic for us. And it's partly insurance as well you know if we get hit by a car it's sure you know we get suit um and so every time we drove to sit with when i was in the van with ron pillman he would salute the cops like a like in an old western you know yeah which is it's not something i would do but that was you know he's that he's that kind of guy bit but of, he's good dude he's
0: but you know. of the american culture thank you for your service thank you for your service there is that absolutely And i was on
1: i was on a show once and i heard this guy saying outside of the trailer yeah, my son just got back from Iraq. And and so this person who was talking to said, oh, please, say on behalf of all of us here, we're grateful for his service. So that's that's part of the everyday um, culture, yeah.
0: Um, I was going to say, Hellboy, the original Hellboys, some, right. some of my favourite movies. That's why I'm a huge um, right. Ron Perl fan. He's actually,
1: a, look, he's Ron Perlman, um, you know he's a bit of a bit of a cowboy, I suppose, but in a good way, it's not he's harmless and he's a nice guy. I mean I think he struggled a long time uh, before he made it because of the way he looks big big jaw, big face big you know but I think you know uh, those guys when when you're on a successful show like that, you can either go one way with the with the attention and the success or go the other. yep um, down the slippery slope and thankfully most of them have had the head screwed on.
0: Do you think your look has helped you? And I know we talked earlier about, um, you know, the the casting agents, 95% of the decisions made once you walk in, because you were getting cast kind of as the bad guy for a while. Eh? Do you think that strong jawline yeah. and that was a was a part of that?
1: I think so. Maybe my high cheekbones. My mum always <laughs> said, I don't know where you got the cheekbones from so in the family. And I say to people, I get them off, got them off the internet. Um, yeah. I think it's... Um, Partly too, people go, oh, "Who who can play crazy?" And they go, "Oh, Charlton." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get to I get to release all the demons on camera. Yeah, on on when I do a job, so I'm pretty low key in real life.
0: So the the on screen stuff, it's cathartic at times. You do get to release a bit of aggro and, oh, yeah. and stuff out there.
1: Totally, yeah. I mean, it's fun too. There's bad guys; who can do what you like. Yeah, you I hear know, I,
0: but... I hear a lot of people who have played like you know who who have played that kind of. You know the hero all their life, whether it be a Matt Damon or a, you've mentioned Bruce Willis, that when they get an opportunity to play the bad guy, they, they yeah. fucking
1: love it. Well, you can just drop drop it all and just yeah. go for it. And I say to young actors, do your thing until they tell you not to. So do whatever you think is the is the right way to play this role until they tell you not to do it. And when it comes to playing bad guys, that's the perfect chance to do that.
0: Well, that's sort of the same as business, isn't it? Yeah, they, they talk about going narrow, but going deep. You know, you yeah. sell that one product, but sell a, a billion of them, like do that one mm-hmm. thing and do it well for as long as you can sort of thing.
1: And in, in America, I was particularly pigeonholed more so than here. But, um, and I would say to my agent, that look, in Australia, I play lawyers and I play politicians. <laughs> said, no, no, no I would you're the bad guy. And it's like, okay, well, he he said once, you know, when I auditioned for True Blood, he said, "Cause so I said to the guy, I said to the cows he looks like a fucking werewolf. <laughs> So that's in their psyche, you know. So, but I'm not complaining, man. I, yeah, people would say to me, Don't you sick of, aren't you sick of being the bad guy? It's like, dude, it feeds my kids.
0: <laughs> Are you, yeah, speaking of that, do you do anything else? Like, do you teach or do you lecture or do you do anything else there? Or is it literally that's acting and that's a, that, That's your game. No,
1: I have been teaching. Um, the last few years, I've been teaching at uh, the actors program up here in Auckland. I go in for the holiday program and I, I do about a week when I can. Peter Feeney, who's a lovely actor and uh, has some classes in Auckland that um, I teach at. He's, yep. um, and so they're all generally people who are sort of just starting out, which I really like. So, yeah, I'm, I'd like to explore that more. You know, so I enjoy it. And it's amazing how much you realize you know once you start talking to people who are just starting out about mm-hmm. it, you know what I mean? And passing on your knowledge. And my approach is fairly organic, I don't get too technical or must feel and blah, blah, blah. i just sort of go just it's all about trusting your instincts so I rem- that's how
0: i've done it i remember doing uh um i did a post post-grad, um, postgraduate diploma in drama at auckland university yeah and i remember having this little light going on in my head about the natural element you know about being natural when you're in a character and the lecturer there got us to lie down like we were asleep. Yeah. and everyone you know they lay and they kind of lay a certain way, and I just fucking lay on my stomach with my arms under my because that's how I sleep.
1: Perfect.
0: And they were like, "Yeah, that looks that looks like you actually you want to go to sleep." And I'm like, "Well, actually, I'm a bit tired." <laughs> you know, it kind of felt like the natural yeah. natural way to do it. It was just it felt okay. real. And I wonder, does that there become a um. You, you know, you look at guy although Adam Sandler and Uncut Gems is brilliant. Have you seen Uncut Gems he's great, on? Yeah, yeah he's it's awesome. fucking brilliant. But you know, yeah. up until up until that point, he seems to just play himself in every movie, which I like I, I, I like silly Adam Sandler movies. It's not a criticism. So do I. Um yeah. is it is it as much of a curse as it can be a kind of can be a um, a blessing that if you get stuck in those roles, I mean maybe a little bit you with the, the criminal in America that then you can't get out of it and then you are restricted in opportunities? <laughs>
1: Uh, well, I was blessed and lucky in the fact that I could leave America and go to Aussie and play a politician or a or a lawyer. You know, right. I could I spread myself around a bit, and so um, I played less bad guys in Aussie than I have um, in America or New Zealand. So yeah, uh, down here, down in New Zealand and Australia, it's you audition for the role, and if they like you, you get it. And it's not like, well, we he wasn't either bad guy in that last thing, right? Which is a bit more the way it works out there. Um but as I say, it's a job's a job, man, and uh, you know, if it's what I do, it's what
0: I do. So if you could um if you could like pick out some stuff that you wanted to do, you know, I mean I, I don't want to play silly I I hate those in, like interviews, this is not an interview, but where they have those loaded questions like, you know, if you could one hundred what would you and I'm just like that makes me sick asking those. I literally feel sick in my stomach with those sorts of things. But I am interested in, in like if you um, you know, could achieve. I mean, you talked about everyone would like to win an Oscar, but do you have any little things you'd love to do? Like, you know, some people would say, you know, working with Woody Allen or they have these these kind of yardsticks, which are their big ones that I would love to do, you know, a lead on a sitcom for 10 years, I would love to, whatever it is. Is there yeah. anything that if you could flick the switch, you'd really like to do?
1: Um, it's an interesting question because I feel like I've done everything I've wanted to do. Uh, in the sense that I've been, I've had such a varied career that I've, I've sort of played all the roles I've wanted to play. Um, so I guess I would say that, yeah, if I if I could play the a, a funny guy in a comedy for five, six years, um, and I was given free reign yep. as, a, as a comedian or as the character had free reign, I went to Shortman Street five years ago. My character Jimmy was an ex-muso, bit of a dope, and so I hammed it up, and I just did my thing until and, and they told me not told me not to. Yep. Yeah. And I loved that because I got to play. And so if I if I could do a say a sitcom like that for five or six years, where I got to play every day, mm-hmm. like Adam Sandler would, gets to play every day in his movies. Yeah, <laughs> I would. I would do that. Would be um, that would be a dream job for me.
0: Dude, I heard that Adam Sandler, like, unless he was just taking the person, he might have been, was basically saying they find the location, they find a good time of year, they, he gets his mates together, and they go and film a movie. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. W- whether it's grown ups or grown ups too or whatever, yep. and that's what when they he's do. Got the res-
1: he's got the money and the resources to do that, and good on him, you know. And, and ideally, that we'd all love that to be
0: able to go. Hey, I feel like making a movie. Let's go and make one. Let's go to Tahiti. It's like you hear yeah. stories about Leonardo DiCaprio doing the beach. That They just lived on a super yacht for two or three months and partied the whole time and filmed during the day. Kind of had to get up to do the filming, but then spend most of their time partying in these most beautiful, idyllic settings in the world.
1: And listen, if I could work with Tyker and Jermaine every day, I mean, so no more.
0: Would that be the dream?
1: Oh, that'd be awesome. (laughs) I loved working with those guys. It was a very short period of my life, but... I catch up with Jermaine every now and again and uh, down there and he's a great guy he's funny he's, you know I love him as a performer I just think he's so in the moment everything he does and I just yeah, if I could work with him Tyker every day and, and Johnny Bruff and those, Cohen Holloway yeah, what a dream nice they're, they're, they're geniuses they're, they're, they're to me they're the pinnacle of of I don't want to say comedy but of entertainment what they do. Yeah, it's, yeah. I don't want to pigeonhole them because yeah. they're more than that. Because yeah, Collins yeah. a great dramatic actor as well. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think those boys are just the ultimate. And Reese, you know.
0: I think, um, you know, Tyke has been around for a long time. I still love. I'd love to podcast with him one day because the one thing I want to talk. There's two things I find most hilarious. The first is not that he played Hitler, but if you go yeah. to his Wikipedia page, there is a Hitler link next to his name, and I actually think that's funnier. So on because right. when then when you click on that link, you're on Hitler's actual page. And I actually think that's funnier than he played yeah. Hitler in the movie because like Hitler is yeah. like one step removed from him on his Wikipedia page. Yeah, right, right. A- and the other one is that um he did he did that alien character in Radi Radi Ra uh T V three skit series. Yes. God, God yes. that was the funniest character ever. Yeah. And I was wondering from you guys who know him. Was it actually a real surprise that he was that successful with the script? Or was it the kind of thing that he went, you know what, you could always see that much talent in the boy?
1: Yeah. uh, In all honesty, I didn't really get to know him until after he had won the Two Cars One Night. Or was nominated uh, after that came out. And then we did Eagle vs. Shark. So I I knew of him and we'd maybe uh, met a few times, but it wasn't until then. We really got to know each other so of course doing that movie we go all well, this guys on to something and so right. definitely with jermaine on board and of course lauren taylor who was the lead in that a good friend of mine she's now making her own movies um those guys i mean it was to hang out with those guys in wellington for that short period was awesome because they're just they're funny talented charming you know all all the, all of those so you're doing doing um, evil Mr Shark and, and and seeing, of course, two cars one night. You know, you knew he had something.
0: Well, all right. Well, listen. Let's um, let's wrap it up. I just, I guess, the last thing I was wondering is after um, the what's the Bane one called? Black Hands. Black Hands.
1: There's a podcast called Black Hands, which came out two or three years ago. It's on it's, it's stuff, in, it's, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but it's 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 not based on that. Right. Okay. The name is similar, but it's that's as far as it. Goes
0: so once that's done obviously every the world has been put back by three months or whatever it's going to be um what else is in the you know the forecast for you um
1: there's a show that starts on tv one soon called one lane bridge that i was privileged to be in Mm -hmm. uh we all going well we'll make another series at the end of the year um uh this person Lauren Taylor I was talking about before who was the lead in Evil Mr. Shark is making a film and I was due to start on that in May, uh, just do a few days on that so there's that as well I have some regular voice work stuff that I do, thank God grateful <laughs> um, so yeah, I, but at the moment I guess like everybody it's day to day
0: Yeah. just
1: hope I hope that everything comes back to a, a place of something where we can all start moving again so.
0: I, I'm I'm sure. Well, I've I've noticed. I've been you know, we all have our little phones around these days. There's been a few um, updates as of, as we've been talking. You know, there have been a few um, notices that Jacinda's had press conferences. And isn't it funny? I love that we call them Jacinda, eh? And it was like Helen Jacinda John. Um, yeah. Well, but they don't do that in America. But uh, and so I don't know if anything new's been announced yet. I don't want to don't want to speak to that. But I I hope. I was talking to my old man last night, and he goes, "How long do you reckon this will last for?" He's 80 in May um and in a retirement community so he's in an apartment and um i'm like dude i don't know it's obviously it's the four weeks um but i wouldn't be surprised if it was six i also wouldn't be surprised if it was five it feels like four i would be lucky to get out of here at four but um i guess
1: i'm not sure they're just gonna say okay everyone can move around now i think we're gonna Gradually, gradually, gradually. Well,
0: you look at those numbers each night as well. We're in the Southern DHB, and the Southern DHB looks awful at the moment because there was that fucking um, wedding in Bluff where 55 yeah. people have come out positive from a wedding. And it's like it's like that has skewed everything down here. And there was also a conference at the Hereford in Queenstown where it had like yeah. 10 or 15 people out of there. So it's um it'll be interesting, like you say, whether they'll say, okay, like, you know, Christchurch looks pretty clear, so you can go to level three, and um, you know two looks clear, so you can go to level two. Or well, what? What exactly they'll do? I, I don't know, but it's going to be interesting.
1: Yeah, I know. Um, I don't know. I yeah. can't answer
0: anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, what we can say is thanks for joining us, dude. This has been a blast. Is alright
1: Yeah, I'd love to come and see you if I ever get down to Dunedin.
0: <laughs> is that a possibility? Is it a possibility that that exteriors won't, so. won't be shot in Dunedin? Like, is there a possibility? Say so. So, yeah,
1: we need to shoot something uh, cuz we need to shoot stuff in Taiyadi Bay.
0: So it has to be in there.
1: But
0: they couldn't well, fudge ideally, it.
1: Ideally we'd love it to be yeah. in the actual location, yeah. So We'll uh,
0: do we'll stay in touch when you're down here. Yeah. We'll certainly get you into, <laughs> if I'm allowed back in my studio. I'm not actually allowed in there right now. Uh, yeah, okay. And we'll get to a bit more than just this horrible one uh, one camera shot that I'm looking down the barrel at right. seeing all my oh. imperfections and go back to our That's proper same. set
1: silly moustache <laughs> thank, thank,
0: thank you so much all right dude have a good one
1: Yep. Yeah, see you everybody thank you
0: all right team uh look if you want to find out more about what's coming up and who's coming out visit the facebook page that's the best way to do it at the moment we are moving things really quickly here in the Department of Conversation, as you'll appreciate with these current times we're facing. Uh, it's funny, if you're listening to this in a year's time, going, What times are those? Well, this is the coronavirus lockdown times, just in case you hear it in the future. Um, so, we do have a lot of people who have said want to come on, love to come on, but we're still kind of organizing diaries and appointment times. And so, just head to the Facebook, facebook.com forward slash DEPT of conversation or head to our page, which is just www.thedoc.nz, and on that page is a link to the Facebook page. So if you find it hard to find somewhere, um, just head to thedoc.nz, and you'll get connected to uh, the Facebook page, which will then in turn tell you what's going on, who's coming up as well. The other thing you can always do is follow me and my personal Twitter account, which is just at Pat Brittenden, uh, and everything gets released there as well. So there is a lot of uh, interesting, fun, intelligent, funny, unique guests coming up. Guests that maybe if I'm being completely honest with you, if it was a normal day, we wouldn't have access to because they'd be doing things like making massive movies or albums or TV shows or be in charge of massive businesses that uh, that they're very busy doing. So wouldn't have the time to maybe talk to us in general. So, We're giving you as much of this content as we can as we go through these next couple of weeks. And if you want to find out more about who's coming up, when they're coming up, uh, then yeah, check us out on the Facebook page or my personal Twitter at Pat Brittington. Alrighty, mighties. uh, We've been making sweet, sweet love in your ear holes since 2018. Make sure you wash your hands, hug a loved one, watch something on the telly that makes you laugh. And until we see you next time, we root.